0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob.
1: And I'm Natasha.
0: All right, this week we are going to be reviewing two games. We're going to be looking at Trailblazers, which we've kind of touched on already a little bit through the last few episodes. It's the designer of Pipeline. It's the designer of Curious Cargo. He came up with this like drafting game called Trailblazers, so we're going to be Reviewing that.
1: We demoed it actually this time last year at Origins.
0: Yep. And the Kickstarter has finally gotten to backers. Uh, I assume eventually it's going to make its way into the general retail space. It's good enough to. I hope so. Yeah. Spoiler. We both like it. Then we are going to be taking a look at a somewhat of a deduction game, which is called Fiction. And Mm. we'll get into it. We'll see if I like it or not. (laughs) <laughs> and then in our discussion topic, we are going to be diving into board game mechanics, which mechanics we like, which mechanics we don't like. We're going to kind of break down some categories, and Natasha's kind of taking the lead on that, which is nice for me. It's one less thing I got to do. So there you go.
1: I think it's a fun and interesting topic. I really like like thinking about what mechanics I like, like what part of this game I like, and then finding ones that I don't like. Oh, and then you like kind of realize that it really helps you... Uh, I think categorize like what games you like and get an idea of like okay this mechanic I usually like so if it shows up in a game I'll probably like the game so I think it's a really neat thought experiment that I I challenge people not challenge but you know encourage people to think about what what they think about specific game mechanics
0: especially once you've kind of you know dived into the hobby and you've started looking at games and you're starting to try to make you know better purchasing decisions I guess I think that yeah. for me. Helps quite a bit. If I see a game that's, you know, roll and move, mm, even though the theme might be good, it's not a game I'm interested in. But if it has a rondelle with some tracks, I mean, it could be any theme. I don't even care. Just sign me up. (laughs)
1: Exactly. It's good to know that about yourself.
0: Right, exactly. And then we're probably going to be accompanying this in the next handful of weeks. We're probably going to be doing some top fives, top tens of games we like with those specific mechanics. But that is for a later episode. Uh, Before we get into any reviews, there is an announcement. So we had talked about we are going to be going to Origins this year. Natasha and I are. Um, There's no official meetup as of yet. Maybe we'll make something. I don't know. If you find us, play a game with us. But more importantly, yesterday, I purchased my ticket Hmm. for Gen Con.
1: (gasps) Yay! I'm so excited. We're going to go to Gen Con too?
0: Well, I mean, I am. I mean, I think I haven't you're going purchased here. my
1: ticket yet. Yeah, I am. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I decided I'm gonna go.
0: It was one of those things that was kind of for me specifically. It was up in the air. I wasn't sure I was gonna go. Uh, we have a friend who is gonna be presenting down there. They ended up getting an Airbnb more than enough space for a handful of people. So yeah, I'm. Uh, I got my all ticket yesterday. All the stars
1: aligned, and Bob is going.
0: Yeah, the moon, the moon eclipsed with the sun, and like it was perfect. Like it just all kind of came. This together, is so. how you
1: have to get Bob to like travel <laughs> with you. You have to plan the entire thing. Yes. And yep. then be like, hey, you want to come? And he'll be like, mm, let me think about it. And then like a couple weeks later, a month later, he'll be like, sure, I'll go. But like <laughs> being like, hey, Bob, do you and I want to go do this thing together? You'd be like, mm, I don't mm, know.
0: I'll think about it. <laughs>
1: I don't know. And then, if I, but if you just plan it and just schedule it, and then he'll show up.
0: Yeah. I it's think a little if,
1: risky because he might not come, but I mean, if, if that's the case, then you still get a vacation by yourself, so.
0: I guess. It, uh, <laughs> There's, uh, if I say I'm thinking about it, chances are I'm probably not.
1: That means he's not, yeah. He's not <laughs> it's
0: not in the forefront of my mind. But yes, like, I like to think of myself as an idea generator and not uh, a person of action. So yes. I'm the one who's like, we should do this thing. So plan it, Natasha, or yeah, plan that's, it. Not you know?
1: that's not me. That's not me. I'm also the ideas generator I'm like, I'll just show up. But
0: we're not the responsible adults, I guess, when it comes to it. <laughs>
1: that's what our spouses are. For. Our spouses <laughs> coincidentally yeah, both like to travel and they both like to plan vacations. Oh, so we facts. are just here along for the ride, which. I think probably, you know, we're very similar. Maybe that's why we're friends, but also it's difficult <laughs> for us to, to plan vacations We together. don't get anything <laughs> done, no. Ashley actually booked our flights to Miami last time.
0: <laughs> yep. Neither of yep. us
1: even did that.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> it was funny because when we were going to, when we were doing the Dice Tower Cruise, uh, we both were like, yes, let's do it. And then Natasha was like, you know, let's buy tickets. I'm like, well, let's wait until it gets closer. We committed to doing this like. In the fall or end of summer last year so we had and, a lot and of time. to be
1: clear i committed to doing this i signed myself up it was my commitment <laughs> bob tagged along
0: yes facts that's how that worked <laughs> <laughs> she did all the work and i'm like mm, uh, mm, i don't know and then finally, regardless whatever i ended up going so natasha's like let's get plane tickets I'm like, let's wait, because they're going to get cheaper once you start getting closer to the date. Like, there's there's this general thing where, like, they're high, further out you go, and then they start getting cheaper, and then they get high closer to the date again. And finally, so I I was talking to my wife, Ashley. I was like, hey, um, so Natasha and I need to fly down there. Is there any way you could, I don't know, keep an eye out for flights <laughs> for us? And the thing is, like, I'm not asking her to do something that's, like, out of the realm of what she normally does,
1: she's kind of into that.
0: Okay, I'll give you a prime example of how much she's into that. So her birthday was uh, was um, last week, and for her birthday present, one of the things she wanted to do is she wanted somebody she wanted to like be told we're going on a trip. Don't like pack a bag or tell me to pack a bag. Don't tell me where I'm going. She's always wanted this. So you know, me being the fantastic husband that I am. Decided, I'm going to do this. An excellent
1: gift giver. You are very good at at planning gift, doing gifts. That's a big. That's my of my love Something language love. is
0: gift receiving. So, I plan out this trip, and I'm coordinating schedules. I got two kids; they need to, you know, they need to be somewhere. I have two dogs; they need to be somewhere. Regardless, I plan this trip. She doesn't know what's happening. I don't know how nobody spilled the beans.
1: She doesn't even know you're planning the trip.
0: No, she had no idea. She her birthday <gasps> present for me was like. A card and like a thing that's like, hey, pack your bags. We're going out of town. You can expect a high of this, a low of this, chance of rain, you know, wear comfortable walking shoes and bring one nice outfit. That was like literally all she got. And so she was just like guessing. And I'm like, do you want me to tell you? She's like, no, no, I don't want to know. So then we finally get to the airport. And I was like, do you want to know where we're heading? And she's just like, no, not yet. So then, like, I, I get the tickets or whatever. We get through security, and she looks at me, and she's like, so I know where we're going. I'm like, how? She's like, well, I saw the airport code on your ticket, on the tickets. What? So she has looked at so many, like, flight information. She knows the airport codes of, like, different, and it's not, like, so we live in Grand Rapids. We, we fly out of Grand Rapids a lot, Chicago, Detroit. So those ones, like, I even know. Yeah, I, I was going to we say, were... I
1: don't even know those. I'm, like, sp- surprised. Every time I see ORD, I'm like, Orlando? Why would we go Orlando? I don't know. <laughs> it's not. It's it's someplace in Chicago.
0: It's, yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't even know which one. One of the big ones.
0: It's, a, it's an one airport. that starts
1: with an O? Well, the oh, thing here. Is,
0: O'Hare, yeah, O'Hare International. So, <laughs> the best part is like she's like, I know where we're going, and it's not like we're going to one of those destinations. We were flying to Minneapolis. We've never been to Minneapolis. I don't even know if she's looking at flights to Minneapolis. <laughs> I like, she
1: knew the airport. code. She knew the
0: airport code. <laughs> so when I was like, "Hey, will you look <laughs> <was> at nerd. <laughs> flights?" <laughs> she loves it. She loves to travel. She has a travel bug. Like I'm all for it. I just like there's those TikToks or whatever that just like. The person that plans all the trips and then the person that just needs to show up on time. Like that's she plans everything. She does a a fantastic job. She does things where she'll find these random things that aren't quite touristy. They're kind of off the beaten path, but they're still really cool experiences. She does a really good job with it. So like when I was like, hey, will you look at plane tickets? It's not like
1: you weren't asking her to do more work. you were asking her to do something fun.
0: Yeah, I asked. I was asking her basically like, I know you're looking at flights because we're going to Europe in the fall. I was like, I know you're looking at flights for stuff anyway. You're always looking at flights. Because randomly she'll be come up she'll come up to me and be like, hey, just so you know, we could fly a round trip to this destination for two hundred bucks this weekend if you wanted to. Like she says those <laughs> kinds of things to me, right?
1: Aw. If you guys if you guys had reliable childcare, you'd be gone like every weekend.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, and it's not necessarily reliable childcare. it's overnight care. That's, that's the part that's not easy to find for me specifically, yeah. but, um, yeah, no, uh, you know, my parents took my daughter and my son went to his dad's house and it was, yeah, it was, it just, everything kind of worked out. It, there was a, there's a couple, you know, things, try the universe trying to say, don't do this trip. And we just said, screw that. We're doing it. Uh, but yeah, it was a fun oh. trip. So good. yeah, I, I think we segwayed a good time segwayed out of gen con but anyway we're going to gen con <laughs>
1: <laughs> circle, back circle back, circle Bob, back circle back
0: let's bring this back let's bring this back this is a board game podcast we do do reviews we're gonna get to it
1: <laughs> i'm excited to go to gen con. i'm a little nervous because i don't like crowds and i, oh, I don't particularly enjoy shopping um in fact I, I hate shopping but i'm gonna go and check out all the new releases because that's exciting and gen con you're just it, a gaming area to play games right
0: Mm, kind of so the way again keep in mind i haven't gone there since covid this is gonna be my first time since 2019 and typically they have like a board game library and they have a space for you to like rent games and play games it's Mm -hmm. usually it's been at lucas oil stadium so you basically go from the convention underground to it and then you can but you have to buy spots so it's not like origins where you just have a ticket that's you know go to this and you just have free play all day You have to sign up so like your time slot could be noon to four is when you're able to be in there or, you know, four to eight or whatever it happens to be that you can go rent games. That said, there are plenty of spaces where you can just sit down and play games. I mean, there's always there's always going to be spots where you can find stuff.
1: So maybe we should bring games we want to play.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have the board game library there isn't again. Keep in mind, this is old data isn't great. From what I remember, mm-hmm. it wasn't a fantastic board game library. Origins has the much better board game library.
1: Okay, well, all right. I just gotta manage my expectations. I probably won't play a lot of board games. Maybe I'll be able to try out new things. Um, and yeah, well, I'm doing it for you know, to so I can see what's coming out and what's new and all the exciting stuff. Maybe meet a lot of people.
0: You should check out the miniature painting stuff. It's pretty sweet. What they can, what they got. So oh, anyway. Let's, uh, how about we bring this back, talk about board games, since this is a board game podcast after all. Uh, all this right, is all not right. a travel podcast, in case you were curious. All right. So, we, first up, we want to talk about Trailblazers. This is a drafting, route-building game designed by Ryan Courtney, art by Seth Lucas, and published by Bitewing Games. In Trailblazers, players are competing to earn the most points by building biking, hiking, and kayaking loops from their campsites of the matching rail type. So this game is going to be played over the course of four rounds, and each of the first three rounds, players will be getting eight trail cards, and after looking at them, they will place one of their remaining camps onto the board. After they've placed their camps, they will move into the drafting portion of the round. The round will consist of three turns in which players will be drafting two cards from their hands of cards and passing the rest. Placement in this game is actually pretty open. The main thing is they just need to be played adjacent to or overlapping, partially or fully, an existing card. The main restriction is cards cannot overlap a camp. Players will be doing this for four rounds and then move into final scoring. There will be some in-game goal cards that can score you points as well as end-game goal cards. Finally, players will be counting the length of each loop that they have started and ended in the appropriate camp. And whoever has the most points wins. Uh, It's a pretty basic overview, but it's a pretty basic game. You're drafting cards. You're just playing these cards out and trying to create loops from your three different campsites so they kind of basically loop out and come back in. I think what makes this game fun is actually is that quick gameplay. Um, it's simultaneously drafting, so it goes rather quick, but it it actually offers, I think, a lot of fun, interesting decisions when playing the cards. It also makes you think about things slightly differently because now you can overlap and even cover up previously played cards, which I think offers... a an additional level of thinking in the game
1: okay so what i think makes this game takes it from like a basic game you know maybe something like carcassonne level basic Mm -hmm. to interesting is the the game goals so you've got two end game goals and then you've got two in game goals first to get there gets six points second person gets three uh last person gets one is that how goes am i missing missing one there either way you get some points. Um, ties are friendly. So if you hit it at the same time, you both get the, the scoring and they're very, they're very wild, right? Like some of them are really easy to do. Everyone's going to go for it. Some of them are really hard. Do you go for that? Like it's still only worth six points. So duh, go for the easy one, but everyone's going for the easy one. If you go for the hard one, it's chances are it's a really long line. So you're also going to get a lot of points for that long line. So yep. I, I think this game is very, very simple. It's, Easier than Carcassonne because Carcassonne's got all these rules about like how you can place your tiles, right? Like it has to be like a road has to touch a road, building such to touch a building, grass has to touch grass. Like, I mean, that doesn't not terribly complicated, but there's rules. This like you can literally play any card you want wherever you want as long as it's touching another car, side, you know, a side edge is touching another edge. You know, you're gonna do terribly if you don't match up these these routes there, but overall. It's very simplistic, but what makes it interesting is the the, the three pathways. Like, what are you going to focus on? Because like all the cards, making each card could contain, you know, each one of the roads it could contain just a couple or, or just be one. But you're focusing on those goals of the game, and then focusing on making large routes because that's going to score you points. You don't want to leave any routes uncompleted because that'll be worth zero points.
0: It's interesting you bring up the simplicity of the game because I think the fact that you can cover up previously played cards, overlap them completely, you know, cover them up, I think adds more depth than simply having the restrictions like a Carcassonne. Like, yes, Carcassonne has these restrictions in place, and they have these rules, like each side needs to match up to the correct crane, terrain type, and it it limits where you can place your pieces. So now you draw a tile from Carcassonne using that example, obviously and you have maybe six or seven spots you can place it in the start of the game towards the end, like you, it tends to be more open. With this, you can grab a card, and you can literally put it anywhere, as long as Mm -hmm. it's adjacent to something. So you can cover up other routes, and you can say, all right, I'm done with this. This thing scored me this in-game objective. I don't care about it anymore. I am now going to cover it up and go for something else.
1: So you could. You could do that. But I don't think it's advantageous because you get points for every route that you complete per, like, space. So the cards are, like, um domino-shaped, right? So every two sections, there's two sections on each card. So every section, could be two, um, on each card could score you up to two points. So you don't really want to cover up completed routes. You're not encouraged to. Ideally, you would play entire game and have nothing covered up because that's how you'd maximize your points. You know, sometimes you can score points for animals and and whatnot. Um, and so you don't want to cover those up. So it's, it's interesting. It's cool that you can cover it up. And I have done that before when I've like, okay, I'm not going to complete this route. If I go that direction, I've got to cover it up and circle it around so that I can make sure I complete it. But it's kind of a letdown. It's not the same as in like curious cargo where you are creating this route to get this piece over to this part but then now the truck has moved so now you need to move the routes along this is kind of like you're creating as many routes as you can for as many points as you can and you're covering them up because like you're probably not going to make it in time or things have changed but it's not the ideal like uh thing to do like it's not a good strategy to start covering things up is what i'm saying
0: Yeah, the more cards you have, obviously, the more points you're going to score if you're able to place them in such a way that doesn't overlap. But I think what it does is it gives you this ability to say, all right, I need to let go of this particular route. I'm not getting the cards I need to complete it. But if I can somehow turn this into, let's say, a bike path into a kayaking path, then I'm going to be able to score some points at the end of the game. I think it offers just that little extra freedom to say, okay, I need to pivot. Like clearly I'm not getting the cards I need. I need to pivot my strategy. I need to do something slightly different. And I have the ability to cover this up and change the way I'm approaching this particular game. And I really like that in this.
1: Yes. It makes it less restrictive. Like you're like, okay, this one's okay. I'll place it here. Oh, but this card's even better because this is going to connect both of my routes. So this is way better. So it, it it opens it up and it makes it really exciting when you get that perfect card and then you can overlap it. You don't, you don't, you're kicking yourself going, oh, I shouldn't have laid that card there because this one's better. You know what I mean? Like you've yep. got that freedom. Yep. It just makes it, it ma- it makes it more open and and not as punishing. And and that's why I think this game is, is really going to be really popular. I think it belongs in target. It's very simple, yep. but it's so fun to play. And I feel like the decisions you're making are so, um... You know, they're they're just intense and they're interesting. Like at the table, everyone's looking at their cards, like him and hawn and moaning and ugh and, and all this. And I think that the choices are so interesting. And that's what makes it way more interesting than Carcassonne. Because Carcassonne, you don't have a choice. You have a tile and you, you're choosing where to play it. That's it. This is like, you've got to admit cards. You've got, what, eight cards at the beginning. And mm-hmm. you're picking two of them. I, I lay all my cards on in front of me. And I'm like, okay, I could put this one here. I could put this one here. You know, I could do all these different things. And so you've got all these choices. And then it dwindles down as you're drafting them. And then you've got six and four, then two. That uh, two you you're discarding the last two. So, you you know, you've always got all these big choices to make. And I think it's really fun to try to go for that big one. But unless if everybody at the table is going for that big one, then probably not. You probably don't want to. So it, it's really, I love this game. I think it's it's so simple, but so fun and small
0: it's It's a very small footprint of a game it It comes in a little tiny if you get the Kickstarter version that's like waterproof, it comes in just this little waterproof container. The cards are a type of material that and they're not quite plastic, but they're also not necessarily a playing card type material they I think they are resistant to water. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious cause you're drafting two cards. Do you like that?
1: Yes. I like it a lot because I can plan out both of them. You know, I'm like, okay, this one and this one go together. I typically will put them together. Sometimes sure. I'll put them separate, but I'll typically like, okay, this route, you know, it, it, one, I think it'd take longer and two, having the two cards gives you more information.
0: Yes, I agree. You know, I agree. Yep.
1: No reason not to. What do you think? You don't mind the two cards?
0: No, I think it's fine. I think it does, like you said, it gives it some additional information. I know for some people who have spatial reasoning, um, I don't want to say difficulties, but have, have to take the tiles and kind of place them in, in front. I, I know to, drafting two cards can be somewhat overwhelming overwhelming yeah it can just it can be a little much just because now you're making two decisions instead of just one you know
1: yeah and i'm like that i'm i cannot i cannot look at admit a card admit of cards and decide which one i want like there's no way i'm taking one out and i'm placing it nope that doesn't work i'm taking another one place it where i want it to go nope that doesn't work okay this is okay and what is this one better i'm like i'm i lay all my cards out in front of me like i just let everybody see my cards because i feel like nobody's looking at me anyways lay them all out in front of me and then I'm like constantly moving them around and seeing a good place. It's, it is overwhelming. It, it, each turn takes like a solid couple minute or two, you know, because you have, you do have all those choices, but you can, you can take them and, and test them all out. So you don't need to be able to, to see, to imagine, you know, what it, what it's going to look like. You can test it out.
0: Sure. Yeah, I agree. So what are you going to rate it?
1: I give it a 10 out of 10. I love it.
0: I was going to say, I figured you would.
1: it, I love it, love it, love it, love it.
0: Yeah, I'm it's I'm curious, game. do you like, do you, do you love it? Do you love this game?
1: I, I actually really love it. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you really weird? I want to, I want to not have guessed.
1: <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I'm coming in at a nine. I really enjoy this game. It's one of those games that like, I'm not good at. So I get frustrated with it. Cause I'm just like, Oh, like I'm just, I put myself in positions that just aren't great. But overall, yeah, I think this game's really good. You know what? I think this game should be a spiel winner I if, I if this game is available in Germany next year if I would be surprised if it wasn't a nominee and I would be surprised mm-hmm. if it didn't win. yeah, that is how streamlined and rules light this game is like it's yeah. one of those games that any you could give it to a family and they could play it, and I think they yeah. would enjoy it
1: it a little bit reminds me of um Cascadia because Cascadia is like you just take this. This tile, and you place it wherever you want. Doesn't matter. You like you can put it wherever you want. If you want points, you don't want to think about where you're going to put it. And that's how kind of how this game is. Cascadia has got a little bit more complexity with the way that the tiles score, all the animals score. This is a little. This is a lot simpler in the way they score. Like it's very very simple. Every card scores um, the same number of points. It's just dependent on if you you just have to figure out what the card means and how to, how to uh, accomplish that goal and then you just count your trails that's it it's so simple yep. so it's it's even easier than cascade yeah yeah i completely agree this should totally win the build jar it's just that level of game
0: agreed okay so who is this game for honestly just about anybody if you like drafting yes. games if you like tile laying games route building games this is a good one i think it's like it, we already mentioned it. it you know this could be a spiel winner if it if it you know is available in Germany next year, i th- I think it's really a game for just about anybody.
1: I I completely agree. I think anybody can play this game. Even I think it'll, it'll be really popular among people who like to play games casually that aren't into board games. Yep. It, the only downside I could think is it's a little overwhelming. But you're gonna you're not you're gonna go in knowing like you're not gonna complete all these. You're not gonna make all kinds of routes. You're just gonna de- decide which routes you want to do. You know, and you have so many choices that that would be the only downfall if somebody gets a little bit overwhelmed by too many choices that could it could be a little overwhelming but other than that i think this will be very very popular
0: agreed that is trailblazers
1: all right next up i want to talk about a game by all play or boardgametables.com i think it still says on the box it's uh, called fiction it's designed by peter hayward and the art is by anka garville and daniel profiri so this is a word game it's actually just wordle uh, you get 10 guesses or two 10-minute timers, uh, whatever comes first. If you um, don't get the word by, then you lose. If, you've, if you haven't played Wordle, Wordle is a game where you try to guess the five-letter word. So you just randomly guess a word, and then they let you know each letter if it's right or wrong. So if the letter A is in that spot, you get a green check. If the letter A is in the word but not in that spot, then you get like a gray little squiggly line. If the letter A is not in the word at all, you just get an X. And then you take that what, what you figured out, like let's say you get all Xs, then cool. Then you guess different. A word with totally different letters in it so you get something right and you kind of move it around. Um, you can play it on your phone. I'm sure you, everyone's heard of it. Very popular. I, I love Wordle. This game is just Wordle with a twist the twist is that it is a team game so you're playing against the person giving the clues so you've got the person who's running the word and telling you if you're right or wrong and they're playing against you and anybody else that's playing so you can all work together to figure out the word except for the the person they're the librarian but it's spelled l-i-e like a liar like lie librarian um Got them lying to you, so they're they don't want you to get the word, so they're giving you all these clues. And every time they give you, they let you know if your letters are correct, they're gonna lie about one of them, only one of them. And each time they can lie about whatever they want, but only one thing. So they have the challenge of having to figure out when to lie, you know, and then maintaining that lie throughout the game and not getting caught. So you do get three um factor fiction tokens that you can ask them about a specific letter and they have to tell you if it, if they told the truth or not and but you got to use them sparingly and you have to make wise decisions about when to use them what i really like about this game is i love wordle i play it all the time and i, and I absolutely love it but it does kind of get a little same you kind of do figure it out this game is hard i had a hard time with it because y- you don't know what they're lying about and if they get you if they get a good lie like you can kind of run with it and get caught like getting caught up in that thinking that that's truthful or you know if they just tell you that this this letter is not in the game and you just don't doubt that then you believe it and you'd carry that on throughout the rest of the game and it's it's really hard and i appreciate that because i think i've played wordle so much that um that it's kind of fun to have like wordle plus you know this is like are you love wordle but you're a little bit it's getting kind of samey try fiction uh, the art is really cute, so the theme is that it's uh, each, each these cards to pick these words from. They're all from uh, famous books, historical novels, whatever. It's got really nice components. It fits in a really nice small box. The artwork is beautiful. Um, I love everything about it. What do you think,
0: Bob? Um, What do I think about this game? I think so, the game is... Okay. Go on.
1: Sorry to interrupt you, Mom. Yeah, go ahead. Bob. Said yeah. it was a deduction game, and you are kind of trying to deduce the word, so that's truth. But I really would call it a word game over a deduction game.
0: Yeah, you're just Anyways, you're continue. trying to you're trying to figure out. At the end of the day, you're trying to figure out what the word is, and you're trying to figure out what they're lying about specifically, which mm-hmm. which things that they're lying about, which is truthful and which is not. So in that aspect, I think it's it's deduction. You're trying to look at all the previous words you've guessed and say all right based on this like we feel like this particular thing is a lie because of that i think that's where the deduction aspect comes in mm-hmm. i like wordle surprisingly enough like i i I've, I've always enjoyed playing wordle um i still play it so a game like this i think is cool it does add that little bit of extra complexity when you know they're playing against you and i and i wonder how difficult it is if if it's one sided more than the other. So for example, if the librarian, which is awful, by the way. Awful. <laughs> awful name. Anyway, um I I wonder if they're going if it's going to be easier for them to win more often than let's say the guessers.
1: It seems like it, but I wonder if you'd get better at it playing over time.
0: That's it's one of those games like,
1: that like I want to play it and play it until I get good at it and then be done with it. So I I wonder if you'd get good at it and then kind of figure it out and but I don't know.
0: yeah potentially and that's that would be my biggest concern is it's it's heavily favored to one side or the other but when i first started playing wordle i was awful at it and then i got better at figuring out like my strategy to you know play yeah um so it's one of those things that yeah eventually you're going to find the strategy and i think different people are going to be able to lie different things about different things and they're gonna it's gonna you can create a meta with this game essentially I thought it was. I thought it was actually pretty decent, all things considered. I didn't love it, but I also didn't hate it.
1: You know what they should have done? They should have done "line librarian," because who doesn't love an alliteration?
0: It's fair. I I think that would be
1: librarian. I would have
0: liked that better than the librarian. Awful. Come on, guys. But for the most part, yeah, it was it was. I think it was pretty solid. And then you know, you're basing words off pieces of fiction. You have to pick one of those words. There's restrictions on the words you can pick, which I think are good. Knowing those restrictions help you basically know like there's no repeat letters, those signs types of things. I do like the fact that three times throughout the course, mode
1: you can play hard mode with repeat letters.
0: It's I wouldn't even want to play hard mode. I do like that you can um you have three like is this truthful kind of tokens you know mm-hmm. make you can figure different so using those appropriately i think is an is an interesting decision i think this also falls into something along the lines of so clover where the bigger amount of people that you have guessing the word it's going to be less fun for those people so if you have six people guessing it's hard to be The fifth and sixth quietest person there, because you're not—you're basically just standing there watching other people play the game. Especially if somebody is, you know, doing a lot of the guessing. When the game we played, there was what four of us, I think, and it was Mm -hmm. fine. It wasn't that bad. But I think it's going to be if you have like maybe a couple people guessing. I think that would be better than if you had a bigger group of people.
1: Yeah, yeah. Unless the people are clever, like, and they can come up with good ideas, you know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't see that. I don't think I don't think more people is going to be better. I think it's going to be less, less people the better.
1: Yeah, I can see that. This game you could totally play a two player. One, you know, yeah. you don't need it. one person is all you need on the other side. It's really a two player game with one side having you know all working together.
0: Yeah, I agree. So, what are you going to rate it?
1: I give it a nine. I really liked it. I think it's a nice little package. I think that maybe it could become solvable, but I think if I bought this game for its it's low price point because so it's a small little game and I played it a ton and solved it and, and figured it out and was done with it It'd still be worth my time and, and having that like puzzle like to try to figure it out and maybe it wouldn't maybe it'd be different based on each of the whoever the librarian is I think it's it's a lot of fun to be the librarian because you've got to um give you've got to lie correctly you know what I mean you got to be a good liar like, that doesn't mean you have to be a good liar. Like, in a lot of these games, you have to be good at lying and trick people. Like, everybody knows you're lying, but they have no idea what you're lying about. So, the de- the decision you make and what to lie about and then maintaining that throughout the game or when- knowing when to pivot because you you obviously are going to get caught at some point with your lies. So, I think that's really interesting as well. And that's a whole – you it's just a different game if you're the librarian, the lying librarian.
0: The lying librarian. Yes. Um. I wanted to be the librarian. I was like, "Can I be that?" And my favorite thing that happened. Natasha goes, "Maybe not for your first time." And it, <laughs> instantly, I go, "Thanks, mom."
1: <laughs> yeah, it was very mom. I was very ashamed that I said that.
0: Oh man, it was the most mom very... thing you've ever said to me. Oh geez.
1: Well, I think it'd be hard. Like, I think you want to play the game first, and then.
0: Sure. It's a little tricky. Yeah. Thanks, but, mom. But yes.
1: We should play it again, and then you can be the the lion librarian. Yeah,
0: maybe. I'm coming in at a six. I thought it was fine. Oh. I thought it was. I thought it was decent. It was okay. I don't. I don't think it's necessarily anything super special. I am concerned about one side being a little bit could potentially be
1: uh, harder. Unbalanced?
0: Yeah, h- harder. It could. Yeah, unbalanced could be a good word for it.
1: Maybe we were just bad at it.
0: I. Listen, you don't have I, the
1: desire to like figure this out. I'm gonna figure it out. I'm gonna get good at it. I like it that it's harder, yep to try to guess the word because I think I've like hit the max enjoyment out of Wordle. This is the next step, and it's right now it's hard for me, and I want to get to the point where it's easier I want
0: so that's that challenge. that's the thing about this game is if you're a Wordle fan, I think this game's for you. If you've played Wordle and you're just like mm, at this point it's a little too easy. I think this is the game for you. Especially yeah. if you can play it with several people, I think this is the next step of Wordle. I I agree with that. Um, but again, for me, it's yeah, it's fine. I think it's a decent game. Like I think a lot of people are gonna like it. It's not necessarily the game for me. So
1: fair enough. All right. Well, if you, I think we've already said that. If you like Wordle, you gotta check out this game. It's a small little box game. Beautiful artwork. Um, nice price point. Uh, that is fiction. Check it out.
0: All right, that's going to wrap up the games we are reviewing this week. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to be diving into board game mechanics.
1: All right, welcome back. So next up, we're going to talk about mechanics in games. I think it's really interesting talking about mechanics, uh, just because I think that's, to me, like somebody who doesn't really care about theme like mechanics are really where it's at like if i learn about the mechanics of the game and it's a game i in mechanics i like then i'll probably like the game and i'm excited to talk about it and we'll talk about what each of them mean and then some of our favorite games within that mechanics or some maybe popular games within that mechanics that you might be familiar with and then we'll uh talk about what we think of each of them and and our differences so yeah what it did is I went to Board Game Geek and you can search by certain mechanics. So I took a look at all of the mechanics they have listed in there and uh, made a list of what they have and include everything because they have a ton and we just didn't have time to talk about all of them. But I talked about the ones that we do a lot of that we play a lot. And so they're alphabetical, but I've combined some of them. So there's like quite a few that are you could like put together. So I combined a lot of them. So first up, action points. So action points are when you, on your turn, you have so many action points and you can spend it doing different things. So the most popular game I can think of would be Pandemic, right? On your turn, yeah. you get four actions. You can, anything you do costs an action and you get to do that. I don't mind that. My problem is like, it's kind of hard to keep track. Okay, I did this one, this two, this three, and then I kind of got caught doing something and I'm like, how many was that? I have to kind of retrace my steps. So I don't love that. I don't like it even worse in games like Takal or Mexica, where you have so many action points, but then different actions cost different Moana points. Yeah. Because I find that even harder to keep track of. That's my only problem with action points. So when I searched what other games, I was like, what other games do this? And they um, they listed like Blood Rage and Search for Planet X. Search for planet X, you take, you can choose whatever action you want. You get one action, you choose, and then it takes up this much time. And so then you move your piece along that many. And so who's ever last goes first. So if you take an action that's worth three action points, the person behind you takes an action worth one action point, they get to go again because they're still behind you. They've only moved one. I don't consider that action points because I consider it like yours. Bending allowance. So you're still only taking, you're only doing one thing. It just costs different amounts. And you're only doing one thing on each turn.
0: Well, what about a game like Blood Rage where different things that you do are going to cost different amounts of rage? And those those are going to be specific amounts. So for example, you can invade with your leader for free, but invading with a warrior costs, you know, one rage point depending on their strength. Mm -hmm. Or bringing in the troll costs three rage points or whatever it is.
1: I don't consider those action points. I consider that currency. Like when I teach uh, Blood Rage, I say rage is the currency of the game, right? There's no money. There's rage. So to me, it's like you get one action. Now, the action might cost you one or it could cost you three, but you get one action. And when you're out of your rage or your currency, whatever you want to call it, you're done for the round. So I don't consider it action points because you're still only doing one thing per turn.
0: Sure. Okay. I see what you're saying.
1: So I don't like action points in that you're doing multiple things you have to keep track of it. That's what I don't like about it.
0: Where in a game you can do you have to spend all your action points on one of your turns. Yeah. I think they're both action points but I think they're in a different form for like again the biggest thing like I just said is you're not having to spend it all at during your turn. You can you can you're going to spend it from turn to turn to turn. It does make sense in order to take this action you have to spend a specific amount of currency maybe that's the thing. Maybe games that you know you have to buy actions are also going to be considered action point games. It's an interesting Mm -hmm. thought though that a game like Blood Rage is I've never thought of it as an action point game. I've always thought of like pandemic, but it makes sense because each action costs and you have to pay a cost. But it's not as restricted. No, you're
1: just uh, just wrong. You're just wrong. It doesn't
0: count. uh, Okay. Well (laughs) moving on then. (laughs) Jeez. That was harsh.
1: <laughs> it's just like what things cost. And then you just have to make the decision. Do you want to pay the higher cost or the lower cost? You, you know, if you got like 10 and you can spend it on one turn, that's like, I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Does whatever. That, does we'll the on.
0: action does the action you're going to take cost you something?
1: Then it's not action points. It's cur- it's the cost of the action. It's a totally different mechanic.
0: At, you get so many action points. You get so much rage. Mm, maybe it is Currency. It's hard to say. It's gray area. I'm going to say it's gray.
1: I think it's pretty clear. Anyways, we're moving on. (laughs) Next. (laughs) Area majority slash influence. I don't like this mechanic at all in games. I feel like it's very like, I'll put a cube out. Bob puts a cube out. Okay, I'll put a cube out. Bob puts a cube out. (sighs) Okay, I'll put another cube out. Nope, Bob puts a cube out. You know, I just, I don't like that. Like, I don't mind it in like, I don't mind like counting strength in like an area, you know, like think blood rage. Right. And then, then you're fighting, you're adding things to it, you know, but I just don't like the, the, like very much a cube part of area majority or uh, it's not always cubes, but it could be uh, different things where you just like voting, where you add a token in there, you add a token. It's just a back. It, It really, to me, Feels more like a tug of war where you're just kind of going back and forth. I don't, I don't know what it is about area majority. I do, I don't love it. I don't like it actually.
0: I I do. I like I like the area majority um, in games because I think it has a nice. It it provides me good tension where I'm trying to get the majority and then somebody else is kind of scooted in there. Plus, it's one of those games that typically you can kind of. I, I say this all the time. Dirtle. you can say, "All right, I'm going to wait to like place my influence or place my stuff." In these different things like I'm going to wait to see how I'm going to be reacting to other people on the board. And I think those types of games tend to have slightly more replayability because it's more about reacting to what the players are doing than it is about, you know, just playing strictly the game, Um, which is and it's ironic that you bring up that you don't like this uh, because I'm pretty sure Blood Rage is considered uh,
1: area control. Yeah, area
0: majority influence game.
1: It is, and and I don't mind it because there's different ways. Like you don't. Okay, here here's exactly why I don't mind it. You don't need to have the most to earn points. Yeah, you might need you need the most to win to earn that majority, but you don't need to have the most in that region to win the game.
0: Oh, because it's not okay. Because you can Low-key, you can just kill yourself and still gain mm-hmm. points. Same thing in like Rising Sun, you can basically destroy your own warriors and still score victory points that's the biggest stipulation with you when it comes to that sort of stuff
1: Is yeah i'm not forced to to participate in this area majority like i'll go in there like i like to go into every area and participate in every area and try to get a couple points here and there and let, let the let you guys fight over it i don't i don't like fighting over areas or fighting over control or you know even in the chocolate factory where you were delivering to the main things like i didn't mm-hmm. like the fact that you could come in and take i could put all this work go into going to that one spot and then you could come in and just do it more than me i don't like that
0: yeah cuz the the biggest thing with blood rage too that it offers not only can you you know still lose and score points you can also it's also determined by card play so there's this un unspecified amount of strength that each person's going to put into the battle. So starting off, let's say I have two strength. Natasha has two strength. You know, Emily has six strength. Well, I might still be able to win if I have a battle card that's going to give me additional strength over whoever, right? So exactly. it, it, do, it does add an additional level to that area majority.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at BGJ. I'm searching by area majority games, and there's just very many that I really like in here besides Eric Lang's games. Because they have that unique way of, you know, you can win without having the majority. But I just, yeah, I don't particularly like it. All right. Next up, auction bidding. Okay. So, obviously, we know what an auction is. hmm I don't love it. I, I, I don't like it because I don't often know how much something is worth. If the, if I get good at the game, I know how, what it's worth. Then I don't mind it. I liked it in um, Power Grid. And that's probably about it. What do you think?
0: Well, what about Castles of Mad King Ludwig? You like to end there, don't you?
1: It's not auction because you're not, you're not like, um, that's more like I split you choose.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm not a, I don't know. I'm not a fan of auctions either. I always find them somewhat awkward when it comes Mm -hmm. to games, especially like if it's a newer game, you're not 100% sure what you should be, you know, paying for certain things. You might overpay for stuff that you shouldn't overpay for. It's it's hard to put it's hard to know what the value of the thing is that you're buying without having played the game multiple times. So yes. it's always a little too awkward in the beginning for something like that. So yeah, it's also not my favorite mechanic. I could some games do it better than others. Um you know, Particularly
1: is, Oh yeah, furnace is a good one. Because it has set things and you know exactly what you're getting yeah. out of them. Yep. I particularly hate estates or modern art where you're bidding and at the beginning of the game you have no idea if that item is even valuable. It could be worth nothing. And you could be Ooh, overbidding yeah. on nothing. Or at least in games like Furnace, you're like, okay, I'm getting this card. I am th- I'm going to use this card to get points. This card is gonna get me a lot of points, so I should bid high on it. You know, or like games where you're bidding and then later on you're discovering like what and en- what ends up being valuable oh, I don't like that
0: at all. I think the thing about furnace that works well too is even if you don't win it, you still get something because there's something at that top there. So you can either get coal or you can turn iron into oil or whatever. So you still get Mm -hmm. something as long as you can meet those requirements. You still get something, which is what about,
1: what about like closed bidding? That's even, that's hard to like everyone, you know, maybe put things in your hand uh, and everyone reveals what you're bidding and all of a sudden you've like you've like shot the moon and bid like 20 where everyone else has bid like two i hate that like, I just but or sometimes when you know it's fine when like you have an idea of what other people are gonna bid you're like okay i know people are really gonna want this so i'll bid high you know or if you lose all your money it, it depends there's so many different ways you can do it
0: well what about a game like qe
1: oh see i love qe
0: Yeah, so we've played QE a handful of times, and the more and more I play it, the more I'm just like lost as to what I should pay for something. The Mm -hmm. one nice thing about QE though is it it the person who puts up the thing for auction sets a price, so it eliminates some of that initial awkwardness of you know, well, like what am I going to pay for it? I don't know. Like I can Mm -hmm. pay, you know, one million. You know, it's set at one million dollars. So something like that, it, it's kind of an interesting, fun way to like uh, get rid of some of that awkwardness. But even a game like that, I uh, there's often times where I'm like, I just don't know. And then yeah. you think you you spend a ton of money and you still don't get it. And then you're like, sweet, I can spend a ton of money now. And I'm not going to lose because this person did. And then you end up losing. And just it, it works well. <laughs> a lot of people like it. I've cooled on it quite a bit the last few plays oh
1: I see I really like Kiwi. that's about the one auction game that I do like, and it's closed bidding and I still like it yeah i i don't, but i I understand it's it feels very random, you know, and I think overall auctioning just feels very random it yeah, sometimes it, can, it, yeah. it it can be done so many different ways in some ways I enjoy in some ways I, I hate
0: you know why you know why I think it's awkward it's like this, okay, let's say you're not a car person okay mm-hmm. you're you're not you don't know much about cars. You know they turn on and they turn off and they get you from A to B, and then somebody's like, "All right, you're gonna go buy a car at an auction. Go," and you're gonna be like, "I don't like I don't a two thousand a two thousand six Chevy Camaro is worth what? I I I don't know. That's the, what <laughs> yeah. that's the part that gets me is like, how much is this thing worth? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Just, uh, uh, I don't know. Like so what? so yeah.
1: in games where you know." that how much is how much value it's going to provide to you I think it can be a, a lot of fun and then in games yeah. where you have no idea what the value is I think that's the point of some of those games is that yeah. that's the whole point and people love that now yeah,
0: you have to figure it out as you play yeah
1: uh-huh yeah. I know people love modern art you know they yeah. love estates and I'm like oh
0: hmm. that's no. going to be a no for me dog
1: <laughs> all right next up we have betting and bluffing so this is like combination, right? Like where you bet on things with like also to try to to bluff people out. I'm thinking of Cursed Court where you're like you have you have a limited information and I have no idea what you know, but I see you're going for that guy right there. So I'm guessing you have him, but maybe you're totally bluffing me. And I, I love that.
0: Well, even games like um, Sheriff of Nottingham, where oh, you're telling, yes. you, you know, like I only have four apples in here you know sheriff that sort of thing um yeah i dig those kinds of games i like playing those mind games with people you know especially if you know that you can this is gonna sound bad but especially when you know you can like get in their head about it and Mm -hmm. you're just like ha ha got them it's like when you play a deduction game and you're like you're the killer and then they look at you and you're like oh man you are the killer (laughs) whoops (laughs) you're a bad liar (laughs) Yeah,
1: this game, these games are very fragile. That's true. Yes, they have to like enjoy lying. My daughter loves Sheriff of Nottingham, that's her favorite game because she loves lying about what's in her bag, and then she also loves trying to convince you that she's lying but actually telling the truth so that you call her out on, on her bluff and then you get punished for it. Like, you can do the double bluff. My son is terrible at that game, like, he opens. He opens everybody's package no matter what. So we all know he's going to open it. So we never, ever lie to him because he always opens it. But he still always opens it. I'm like, you have got to stop opening these packages. You are losing like all of your money. You have just to doesn't change care. it up. He's,
0: he just, happy care to, it he's just happy to be hanging out with his family. That's all he wants, man.
1: <laughs> he just wants to caught them, catch them in a lie. And if he loses everything trying to catch them in a lie, he is okay with it.
0: That's, yeah, I mean, so that's some people's goals, right? Just
1: But my daughter always wins. But he is so fun. Like, he he loves the game. He loves playing it. He never complains. That's
0: awesome. But, yeah, she always wins. That's hilarious. Yeah, bluffing's
1: (laughs) great with kids because they love to lie.
0: Bluffing and those types of games can be fun with the right group of people. I think it's dependent on the people. You need to have the right group. But, yes, I enjoy them.
1: All right. Bingo. Now bingo sounds dumb, but it can be used really well in some games. So when I say bingo, I mean something is revealed and everybody gets to do that something, whether it's take that number. Um, so the games I'm thinking of are tiny towns in Karuba where in tiny towns, like, all right, I'm taking an orange cube. Everybody take an orange cube, do what you want with it. Or in Karuba, I'm taking this tile. We're taking this tile you know, with this path on it, everybody take that tile and do what you want with it. A really, um, this is a very, very popular mechanic in rolling rights. I'm gonna roll the dice. Everybody gets a six. Do what you want with it. You know, we're gonna flip a card. You know, whatever the card is, everybody gets to do it. Uh, another one, um, Guild of Merchant Explorers. Yeah, the, you know, kind of same thing. Everybody gets to do what they want with this this particular item. I I love love this mechanic and i think that's why i like roll and write so much because it's very popular in roll and writes.
0: i enjoy this mechanic quite a bit too it's not the reason why i dislike roll and writes that's a i don't know maybe it again it comes down to me being a board game hipster at this point but with like a game like tiny towns is a prime example because i really like tiny towns i think it's super cool and the interesting thing about the i pick everyone takes the bingo mechanic Mm -hmm. is it scales and makes the games feel different at the different player counts. So, for example, a two-player game of Tiny Towns, you have a lot more control over the things you're getting. Mm -hmm. Three-player, a little bit less control. Four-player, even less control. So it becomes this thing that you can play, I don't want to say different games, but they're going to feel different at different player counts, which I think expands the life of a game. If you've played a game a ton at four, now you play it at three, it's going to feel slightly different. It's going to feel you know, less restrictive than if a four player game, you know, that sort of thing in a four player game, you're just trying to do what you can with the things you get, where in a two player game, you're trying to be slightly more strategic. So I do like that. It expands upon that Mm -hmm. or it, it, it it makes the games feel different at the different player counts. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, communication limits. So, you know, where you, you can't communicate everything you have. I think of like the crew, right? We're all working together got a hand of cards, but you don't know what cards everybody else has. You're not allowed to tell them or games, where you can't talk to each other. You, you know, magic maze, that's real time. You probably don't like that one, but I, I really like limited communication, especially with cooperative games. If I'm going to play a cooperative game, it needs to be a game that I can't just play by myself. You know what I mean? It needs to be a game where I have to have somebody else there. If I have complete open information, I might as well just play the game by myself. So for me, I love limited communication.
0: I think for me, it just depends on the game and how the game incorporates it. Something like The Crew, I love. So for something like that, I think it works really well. I'm trying to think of a game where it doesn't, and I can't quite think of a game where the limited communication, I'm just like, hmm. So I've never really thought too much of it one way or another, so I think it's fine.
1: All right, connection. So I added networking and route building to that. I don't know what the difference between connection, just connection and networking and route building, but. Either way, put them together. Uh, Trailblazers, um, uh I guess Ticket to Ride would be route connections, right? Yep. That type of thing. I I mean, I love them. Like, I I don't know. I can't, I can't think of any reason why you wouldn't like um connecting things. I mean, that's just fun, right?
0: I think it's satisfying to see a connection get completed, especially when you're like in Ticket to Ride when you're fulfilling your your tickets from, you know, whatever Miami to boston and you see the the line and you complete it there's something satisfying about completing that i think that's the reason why people like it but yeah i think it's fun i enjoy those types of games
1: yeah all right contracts so there's a lot of game that that offer like you know contract fulfillment games where you have like an order you need to fulfill or i think that's probably about it where you have to like collect these certain resources and then you can fulfill it a lot of them are within games i also kind of lumped that in with end game bonuses because um, a lot of contracts will give you the en- end game bonuses, points at the end of the game. Not always, but some of them are mid-game. So I always think these are fun. I think to me they're just a neutral challenge, right? It's just a way to score points.
0: Yeah, I I agree. They're not something that's super special, and I'm like, ooh, another contract fulfillment game.
1: <laughs> yeah. But
0: I think the way that you have to go about fulfilling those contracts, the thing I think about is the Voyages of Marco Polo. Having to fulfill those contracts, you have to jump through these hoops, or you have to, you know, go to these specific. There's more to it than just the sheer fulfilling contracts. Go get this stuff, and then do, you know, fulfill contracts. I think there's more to it than that. So I think if a game does it well and incorporates other things, I'm cool with that. But if the the game is only that, meh, it'd be kind of boring. Yeah, yeah, there needs to be more meat on the bone.
1: What about end game bonuses? I know, I feel like that they're very different things. So I guess. Well, we could talk about it since I already brought it up. Endgame bonuses are fun because you might be thinking, like, I think of like you like tickets ride. You're scoring points throughout the game, but really it all comes down to the end game bonuses, right? And you don't yep. know what people have. So it's kind of fun to like reveal that. Um it's kinda of wild all over the place. I think as long as you know like you kinda of have an idea of like, okay, they're gonna get all these points, so I gotta beat that. You know, I think it could be fun.
0: Yeah, I enjoy games with end game scoring part of it is knowing that you don't know who's going to win games that towards the end, you just kind of have a general idea because all the points are laid out in front of you. I'm not a huge fan of, I like having some hidden points, you know, mm-hmm. golem is a prime example. You can fulfill those different objective cards, you know, voyages of Marco Polo, depending on where the cities that you go, Uh, ticket to ride, you reveal those tickets. And not only that, but you're also competing for longest train or most completed tickets. You know, if you have the expansion, Those games offering those little bits of unknown points, I really like. I actually enjoy those quite a bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It adds a little bit of tension at the end of the game. Yes. And it's fun. I particularly like, this is not related to components, but I love scoring up points at the end of the game with a score marker around the board. I don't like um, everyone tallying up their own score and then be like, I have 89, I have 100, I have this. Like, Boring. I like to go around the table and go. Okay, Natasha, how many points did you get for that? I get ten. Okay, Natasha moves up to. Ooh, that put her above Bob. Bob, how many points do you have for that? And then you're like, Oh, I got five. Okay, you move up. I just love like moving that marker around the board at the end of the game. I think it's so fun. It's like a game in itself.
0: It's like a race to see who finishes first. Especially or whatever. like, yeah.
1: Especially in games where like like uh, uh, Concordia is one, maybe Stone Age is another, where you're gonna get there's tons of different ways to get points and you're gonna get like maybe zero to five points in this one but like 50 points over in this one so I can be like way behind right way behind everyone's like thinking I'm losing like crazy but I've got this huge scoring that we haven't done yet I just love it it's so fun I love to do that together as a group
0: (laughs) it's entertaining for sure I like that as well yeah
1: all right. Next up, Bob, I know you're going to be a big fan of this one. I got cooperative games, and then I put in there semi-cooperative games, team-based games. Lumped them all together.
0: I don't think you should have lumped them all together. I disagree with that. They're all, they are all feel different. I know. I know they're very yeah.
1: different. I know. I know. But I had so many items in here. I had to lump some of them together. So cooperative games, fully co-op, we're all working together as a team. Yep. Bob loves it. Semi co-op. Yep. We're all working together as a team to complete one objective, but we also have our own individual objectives and you can't win unless you complete the team objective and your individual objective. And then of course, team-based games is really a team, team versus team. Very different, yes. but you're working together with your team against another team. Okay. I love team games and go ahead, Bob.
0: <laughs> this is, this is my category. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I like cooperative games. I really do. I enjoy the fact that we're all working together to complete this thing. And, uh, you know, we can, we can accomplish it as a group. We can, you know, make decisions as a group. I think the main reason why people don't like cooperative games is the alpha gaming. There's one person that's doing everything, suggesting the right moves, that sort of thing. I know for, for me, at least my perspective when I approach these types of cooperative games is it's your turn. You're making your decision. When it's my turn, I'm making my decision. We can talk about it and we can suggest different things. And if somebody's just like, well, what should I do? I'm just like, well, it's your turn. You know, do what you think is right. And that gives them obviously more buying power. And if we lose because somebody doesn't necessarily know the game, well, they need to, you know, understand how the game works. They need to learn how the game plays. And that's just part of the process. If I lose pandemic, because I'm playing with a brand new player and they're making suboptimal moves. Oh, well, like it's a game of pandemic. It is what it is. Like I will just come back and they'll learn from, you know, the mistakes they made and we hopefully come back and we have a much better game. Are you, the next are time you
1: suggesting that it's more important to have fun than it is to win?
0: Yes, I agree. I agree with that statement. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> um, but that's the thing is a lot of there's a lot of people. That give cooperative games a bad name because of the alpha gaming situation, Mm -hmm. because they're just like, no, you need to do this, or you need to do that, you need to do this.
1: Yeah, I I I understand, and I have a hard time with that. Um, I I don't like it. I don't like working together as a team to make decisions. I like working together, and but we're individually making our own decisions, like you said. But if you have here, yeah, I think I alluded to this earlier. I flat out said it. If I can play the game by myself without other people, then I'd rather just play by myself. <laughs> I, if, sure. If it requires, because you have information that I need, then I like that. That's how I define it. And, and it's traditionally a lot of the cooperative games where you're all working together to fight off a boogeyman or whatever, or accomplish a goal. You have all open information. You know what each everyone's going to do to me. I don't like that style of game, but that's not because I don't like cooperative games. It's just because I don't like that type of that formatted game. And it's not because they're working together. It's, it's just that, t- that style, I suppose.
0: Sure. Yeah, I think, of, I think games that are more complex are going to be less alpha gamey too. Like For example, Spirit Island. Spirit Island is one of those games that you don't know what cards I have in my hand. I don't know what cards you have in your hand. I have too many things to think about on my turn to let alone care about what's in your hand. Usually in a game like that, you're just like, all right, so you know we're going to ravage these areas. What can you do? Well, I can do this, or I can, I'll take care of this. Don't worry about this thing. You know, I'm like, okay, I don't care then. Like, I'm not going to worry about that thing. My responsibility is to take care of the ravage in this forest or whatever Mm -hmm. it happens to be. And I think games like that are going to be a little bit better for you because you don't know what cards I have in your my hand. You don't know what I'm going to play. You don't know what my special powers are because you're just at this point just. Looking Focus at your own myself. stuff. Yeah. Whereas a game like Pandemic is a little bit, it's less complicated. The information's just on the board. The only difference is your player power. Mm-hmm.
1: You really have to, like, I mean, in Pandemic, you can really do either. either, or they could go here and take out this disease cube or they go there and take out this disease cube doesn't really matter nobody knows how it's gonna play out so that's Mm -hmm. fine but like but but also you need to kind of work together like if i'm gonna go over here and give you this card then i need to know that you're gonna take that card and do something with it you know what i mean so you have to like that's not telling you what to do i could ask you do you want me to come give you this card Do you want to do that? but but basically i just play by myself i don't know I, I love pandemic because of the legacy parts of it, which I just had a lot of fun playing. I played it with my son, but I don't know that it would be a game I would I I don't play it as a um puzzly uh, activity that like a lot of the games like a challenging activity for me, which is why I like to play board games. I play it as an activity to do with my son.
0: Fair enough. I think I I do think that cooperative games are very polarizing. I think you either like them or you don't. You know, I don't know if there's a lot of like, mm, yeah, whatever, I, it's fine. I don't know. I haven't, I've only ever heard anyone I've interacted with, they either love them or they hate them. You know, there's, I don't see a lot of in between. Yeah. But I I mean, I like them, so it is what it is. You know what I'm
1: saying? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people do. Um, Less pressure. They're great family games. I do like them as a family game for sure. All right. Next up, I've got deck, bag, and pool building games. I I love these. I mean, I love that Dominion really got me into the hobby. So that's a big part of it. And a couple of my favorite games, uh, Orleans and Altiplano are Bag Builders. Um, I love, you know, I love games where you're like deciding what things you're going to add to your deck or your pool and then like getting rid of the ones that aren't as useful to you playing Clank Legacy right now. I really like that. Uh, I like all. I love this genre. It's a huge, um, hugely popular one for me.
0: Yeah, people love deck-building games. I, interestingly enough, have kind of, I don't want to say cooled on deck-building games, but I think they're, I'm really enjoying games that are incorporating deck-building with something else. So think Lost Ruins of Arnak, Dune Imperium, they give you some additional things. I think traditional deck-builders like, you know, Dominion, Dominion i have cooled on just because I like the fact that you can just kind of play all your cards instead of taking one action, one buy. You can do multiple buys. I think that frees things up a little bit. I do have a lot of respect for Dominion and I'll still play it. But like, uh, you know, like a Star Realms, one of those games that just, they tend to be pretty quick and knowing which cards to get rid of. Sometimes it's a little luck based, but it's based on how you buy your cards is, you know, what you end up getting. So that luck is more what you're putting into the bag or putting into the deck. So I do enjoy them. Surprisingly enough, I used to think they are one of my favorite mechanics, and a deck building game does not automatically sell me on a game. If they're just like, hey, there's this new deck builder. Well, is it just deck building? Yes. Mm. Like, Fantasy Flight just released the Star Wars deck building game, and I've had a chance to play it. And there's some interesting things that it does with it, but inherently it's... Much like any of the other deck-building games, Star Realms, Hero Realms, those types of just fast-paced games. So it doesn't necessarily offer, with the additional stuff, it doesn't necessarily offer any extra depth of strategy for me.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I don't think you're alone in your thoughts. I used to think that I loved deck-building games. And in fact, the Dice Tower just did their top 10 deck-building games. And I was like, cool, I love deck-building games. I bet you I love a lot of these games. And I'm thinking, okay, what are my favorite deck building games? I like Dominion. And then I'm like, uh, I don't really like Ascension. I don't really like Star Realms. I don't like games that you have multiple things that you're doing. You're also buying cards and you're also fighting. I don't like that. I, I like Dominion so much that I've convinced myself that I love deck building games. But I really just love Dominion. And that's kind of it even Clank, I'm having a lot of fun with it because of the legacy part. And I think that's really interesting, but as a deck builder, mm, it's fine. I just, I love the clean simplicity of Dominion and I love bag builders, you know, because of the two that I love, you know, I haven't played that many. There's not that many that, that are out there. Um, but I don't love deck building within games. I think the deck building is very minimal part of the game and it's Completely fine. It's a it's a it's a mechanic within the game, but I don't consider it a deck building game. You know what I mean? Because it's such a small part, and you you don't end up having very much of a deck at all. And I feel like the way the cards come out, because you've got such a small deck, it's you you're just really the luck of the cards that come out.
0: What game are you talking about?
1: Like, um, uh, Lost Runes of arnak Lost Runes of Arnak, Doom Imperium, Um, Endless Winter, those types of things. They're very the deck building part of it's very small.
0: It's in a, it's a mechanic incorporated into the game. Yeah, those are the things I like mm-hmm. is incorporating that mechanic into a game like Lost Ruins. Yes, your deck is pretty small. Dune Imperium, your deck is actually quite a bit bigger because you're doing that buy phase at the end, but it incorporates so many other things. You know, endless yeah. winner is another prime example. Like you're using those cards in different ways. I think the problem with a lot of deck builders, like Star Realms, stuff like that, is they're combat-based. So I'm trying to attack you. You're trying to attack me. Whoever does it first wins.
1: Yeah, I don't like that.
0: And I think that's where a lot of these ascensions and, like, you're just fighting these things. And So, yeah, when it comes to deck building, I like it. I like it when it, it, again, like I said, it needs to be incorporated into a game well. Lost Runes of Arnak is a prime example. Like, there's deck building. It's minor. Dune has a little bit more deck building but it's still in there. It's still part of the overall thing, and it's not the type of... It doesn't... It affects how you can play the game, but it's not the overall game. There's so many other things you're figuring out.
1: You know what I think it is that I don't like about doing Imperium and Clank Legacy is that the cards that you're buying and you're adding to your deck, there's this giant stack, right? And there's yep. you're revealing like four or five or five or six for the game, and then you can yep. buy one of those six. So... Whereas Dominion and Endless Winner, uh, all the cards are available. Whatever you want to do, you pick a card you want, you can grab it, and then you can build your deck based on that. You're not limited to what cards come out. You know what I mean? So you, you, yeah, you sure, sure. Those feel more like a deck builder. where like Dune, it's like, okay, you, you can base your strategy about what cards come out. And I'm just not very good at it. I realized since the last time I played Dune that I just don't enjoy that game near as much as I thought I did. Because I like the pure deck building parts of things. I don't like the, like, little measly deck building.
0: Sure, I can see what you're saying. And the, the one of the things I think Dune suffers from, and I don't remember if you can do it with the expansions, but, like, clearing the row of cards. I think in yeah. the new expansion you can, but typically... Once you, per it,
1: game.
0: Yeah. She'll which spend kind spend of...
1: a solarium and do it every round. As huge as that deck is. Oh, it bugs me.
0: Honestly, yeah. even if it was just like one water or one spice, you might be willing to just do that. You know, yeah. say, I'm going to give up this spice to clear it to get something better. Yeah, that's that tends to be a problem. I, Endless Winter was a good example. It didn't occur to me that all the cards are available. I mean, the culture cards come out, but even then, the vast majority of the cards that you're putting in the deck are literally just those, those worker cards in, underneath each of the actions. So that's yeah. a really good point. I never even considered that. As being more of like Dominion style, where the cards mm-hmm. are just there. And what's nice about one of the expansions is it offers different versions of those cards, so it mixes up the gameplay.
1: You replace them instead of adding to them.
0: Correct. You would re- you would take them out for a new set.
1: Yeah, basically. I like that yeah. a lot. Instead of just adding like a bigger adding to the big deck or whatever. Yep. All right. Next is probably my favorite. Bob's least favorite. Definitely our biggest. <laughs> <laughs> our biggest spread here all right what do <laughs> we got? that's deduction logic games yeah yeah i i love deduction logic games and they do suffer like a lot of them like clue awkward guests um things like that they really you really like are l- luck based based on what information you get you know what i mean so when we can get a good logic deduction game that's good like That is 100% not based on any kind of like, oh, I got the card that I needed that told me the information that I needed so I can cross this out. You know, I'm thinking uh, Cryptid. uh, What's the newest one? The Turing Machine. It just just comes down to pure logic. And I'm not great at that, but man, I love it. I love a good puzzle.
0: It's not the kind of puzzle that tickles my brain. That's the biggest thing is I enjoy... Looking at a board and saying, all right, if I do this action, it will give me this, which allows me to take this action, which is ultimately what I wanted to do. But now I've maximized the number of actions I can do. That's the kind of like logic puzzles I like. Like Dean said in the, you know, the last couple episodes, the Sudoku puzzle, you know, being mm-hmm. able to put those things together. Like I love doing Sudoku puzzles, but something about like just straight logic and deduction as analytical as my brain is, it's just like, nope it just doesn't it just doesn't click and it makes me feel so stupid and i hate <laughs> that feeling i hate feeling stupid i mean yeah, i can I can make myself feel stupid about other things but when a game does it mm, nope
1: i don't i don't mind feeling stupid yeah i like i love sudoku as well um and and like cryptid i'm terrible at you know just the straight deduction but i do really like it i just think it's just so fun to try to figure it out especially when you get a good game Love it, love deduction. Ugh. All right, let's let's make Bob happy here. Let's talk about dice rolling.
0: Ooh, I love dice Bob rolling. Bob loves
1: chucking dice.
0: Oh my god, do I love chucking dice? It's it comes from my D and D background. I love rolling dice, the randomness. Rolling a D twenty, seeing that twenty on there, critical hit. Ugh, roll ten D six when I do a fireball. Done. Sign me up for that. I love when <laughs> games incorporate dice, and I I really enjoy having that randomness used in creative ways, and the Italian design group tends to do it the best. You know, you have dice, and you're using those dice in a variety of different ways. Like Lorenzo, you roll the dice, everyone has those dice, so you're all in the same boat regardless of what those values are. In Marco Polo, you roll the dice, and then maybe you have really low dice, but that's not necessarily always bad. It just costs you less money to go on top of another die, so there's benefits and hindrances to high and low values. You know, using those dice to do the different things. There's just something about it. And just you—you you have me rolling dice. I'm in. I'm done. Yeah. Let's do this. Sign me up.
1: I agree. I'm—I'm I'm a little picky about my dice rolling. It's got to be in a specific set. I don't want to roll the dice and have an, an outcome like, okay, I need a five or a six, and I'll be good. Roll the dice. Hate that. I feel like it's so. I know you have this big, like, it should be like a big moment of—is it gonna work? Is it going to work? But it all comes down to the dice roll? No, sure. thanks. I am out 100%. But roll the dice. Okay, gather the dice. All right, what can we do with this dice? How can we make these this dice get what I want? That is super, super fun. And I love that. Or roll the dice as a group. Same thing.
0: Yeah, and everyone uses the pool of dice or you draft the dice, that sort of thing. Same thing yes. with uh, when you roll the dice. Uh, encycl- was it an encyclopedia that you roll the dice and then you assign them to different spots on your board?
1: Yes, yeah, and, and you all choose. Everyone can pick your dice that you have out in front of you. Yeah, love it.
0: I think the problem with rolling the dice for an outcome tends to be the, you work towards this thing and you don't know if it's going to be successful. I think certain games do it better than others. Like Abomination, I don't mind it, but I can understand how that would be very frustrating for a person to like lead up to this point that you're trying to activate this body part and then you fail with the dice rolls but then you move into something like Star Wars Rebellion where the combat is all based on die rolls which is fine cuz there's a there's a certain you know probability of hits and 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 misses and different things like that like those i don't necessarily mind but those are going to be more amerithrash games i think a euro game that requires dice in order a specific dice outcome in order to do a thing i think turns people off but if you're going into a game knowing like this is just Chucking dice, seeing what happens kind of a game, I think that's a little bit I think that's a little bit different. I do wish there were dice building games that I really enjoyed. The two I can think of one is uh dice Forge, and for whatever reason, it just never really resonated with me. I thought the game was fine, it just for whatever reason it just didn't click and then there's the dice realms game, and i that was on one of my anticipated lists. mm-hmm. The problem was that game came out and it was like 150 bucks. And when I was listening to reviews, it was extremely light. Like it was a 20-minute game. But based on the amount of dice and the different faces and everything that were on that game, it just required that kind of price point to the point where I'm just like, I don't want to invest this amount of money in a game that has very simplistic, easy gameplay. I want something with more depth and strategy. Yeah. So that was a that was a bummer.
1: Especially like if you're if you're crafting like where you are drafting dice, you know that would be interesting. But to change a die face, if you spend all this time changing a die face and then not rolling that die, it's not as fun. I don't
0: know. I I think there's a way you can do dice, you know, forging type games. But I just for, for whatever reason, like I said, Dice Forge. Just I was really looking forward to that game, and I've played it, and it's just it's fine, which is a little bit of a bummer. All right, here's what we're going to do. Natasha has a massive list of mechanics. And yeah, we there's have... a
1: lot more. We're <laughs> there, <D>. and we...
0: <laughs> In our poor planning, we did not realize it was going to take so long to get through every single one of these mechanics. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to break this up into parts. This was part one of game mechanics.
1: Yeah, out of how many? <laughs> well...
0: You know, it takes as long as it takes. You know what? It's free-flowing. Like We're just going to let it unfold organically.
1: All right. That is the mechanics that we got through today. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week where we'll continue this conversation. Although we do have to do an origins preview. So we might be interrupted by that.
0: Ooh, um, that we might be broken up. Yeah. Yeah. We might have to,
1: but uh, please help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, please send us your comments or any questions to board shenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks everyone.
0: See you next week.